Welcome to the Truth Podcast. I'm your host, Hani Rambod, and I'm here with my special guest, Dave. What's up, Dave? <laughs> What's up? How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> I think we're both a little bit looking a little bit scruffy here. Yeah, so scruffy. Guys... Yeah, the scruffy episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the only difference is I look like Santa Claus because mine's all white, <laughs> but uh, my beard is definitely growing here. So uh, I'm excited because we have been doing some really good Q&As online on Instagram and now we're bringing some of the questions here. So um, you guys are telling us that you like the Q&A format, so we're going to continue it. And uh, just remember, if you're listening to this, please make sure that it really helps the algorithm when you like, subscribe, and make sure you let us know your thoughts down in the comment section. And if you're listening to this on the podcast, make sure you go ahead and rate us because that will help the algorithm as well. And it shows us that you care. So therefore we'll go out of our way to do more episodes. So, uh, uh David, yes. how you doing brother? I'm good. I'm well, thank you. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. It's been, um, it's been quite the week. I think that yeah. we have been able to open up a little bit more. We went from a 10% open rate here in California with gyms to 25%. Um, I don't even know the color system anymore. I think it's from, are we orange, orange tier? I think we're orange. Yeah. I think we're orange tier now. Mm -hmm. So that's great. I think that we're, um, going in the right direction and I'm looking forward to more businesses and everything opening up fully a hundred percent because, um, these, you know, everybody needs to get back to normal. Um, yep. but again, uh, you know, I, you know, you're killing it too, man. You're doing good. Huh? How's the training going? The training's going good. The training's going really good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, getting after All right. it. Yep. All right, man. Well, I expect you <laughs> figure out what, what show you're doing next year. <laughs> we'll do, we'll do. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go ahead. We're gonna do another Q and A session. Another Q and A. Let's do this. So, what some do you got? Ac excellent questions this week. So let's let's go. So first one: um, doing my first show in June. Tips before getting on stage, physical or mental tips. That's from our friend uh, Marci Marcelino Landeros. Okay. I guess he, does he asking for both or he like, or he says, which one's more important? Uh, I mean, whatever you, however you want to interpret it. I think it, it seems that either or, or which one's more important. Yeah. I think both of them are obviously important because you're getting ready to do a physique contest, yep. but let's talk about the mental first. The yep. mental part of getting ready for stage He's doing a show in June. We are, you know, in the middle of uh, March right now. And towards the end, what we're, which, what you could really do Marcelino is really focus on making sure that you have a coach that is going to be going over all of your program, which means your training program ahead of time. That's going to address your weak points. Number one, because you always want to build a program around your weakest body parts. So if your back is lacking or your arms are lacking, you really want to build your, your program around those weaker body parts. You also, and if you're doing it yourself, then you could do this yourself as well, just by using this checklist. Uh, the other thing is if you have to work on getting leaner because your body fat's a little bit higher, then make sure that you're really focusing on getting those results every week to be able to get lean enough for the contest. A lot of people, what they'll do is they'll, they'll kind of skate a little bit. The first portion, you know, the first what I call trimester of the, <laughs> of the diet. Cause it's usually yep. on average about a 12 week program, sometimes a little mm -hmm. bit longer. And then the first three or four weeks, they kind of skate by what you want to do is you want to hit the ground running. 
literally like if you have to start doing cardio again i don't recommend running for cardio unless you're a woman who needs to be able to lean out your legs that's one of the tips that i always use on the with the women so but when you have to turn around and lean out you really want to make sure that you're starting out with cardio if you have a higher body fat percentage you don't want to wait until like oh i'm going to hit phase two of my program mm -hmm. and for those that again don't know phase two would be the second four weeks uh, normal phases that i put my programs together in are four week phases so first second third phase sometimes there's a fourth phase if i have to do a 16 week program and that would you know everything would just be you know moved over with a either a four week pre-phase and then it's three phases or you would um just add an extra phase if you need a full 16 week prep but what really matters is making sure that you are focusing on losing one and a half to two pounds a week. And that's where you want to, uh, of body fat. Now, anything more than that, it does become a little bit more detrimental to muscle, uh, muscle growth or muscle wasting. You got to really watch yourself. And if you end up losing water weight, that doesn't count. I'm talking about straight body fat, like, you know, a good pound to two pounds is a good average. So making sure that you start off the ground, hitting the ground running on the beginning of the prep is going to be really important and tracking everything. I'm talking about using, you know, your macros, your diet, your, uh, I'm sorry, your training, your, your reps, your sets, your uh, fluid intake, um, supplements you're using. Everything should be in a binder or a notebook. And do you think that's missed a lot with new, especially new people where they don't track that, that stuff, they don't write it down? Yeah, because either you're working with a prep coach and then you expect that person to do it, which most of the time they don't, um, or no, and and not for nothing, but I I have a lot of my notes on my phone with all even all the Olympias, you know, and you know Phil will tell you like he's we got we got books of all his preps and how we carved up every time, you know, slightly different every single time, and it's really important that we can I can always go back and say hey this is what really worked this year that year. And there might be some tweaks off of that, but there's some definitely things that you can learn from in, in your books that you've done in the past. Now, it doesn't always mean that you're going to do the same thing, but you want to see what was working and what wasn't so you can always reference it. So again, Marcelino, make sure you hit the ground running. Start with a great program that focuses on your weak body parts. Make sure you start off, especially if you have higher body fat, start off with cardio. Try not to wait. A lot of people who have higher body fat, they wait too long and they don't get in shape and then they end up losing that, um, you know, that placing or a couple of placings because they just weren't, in, weren't tight enough because they didn't diet long enough or didn't start their cardio soon enough. So those are the things that I would definitely recommend um, in regards to that. And the mental preparation comes along with that as well. I mean, that's yeah. the physical slash mental is, is to make sure that you properly prepare yourself and your psyche to, to go into it, you know. As my boy Kevin Lavron would say, like like going to war. <laughs> well, what what do you think is the probably the, the biggest hurdle for people the day of the show mentally? Is it is it nerves? I don't get rid of those nerves. Yeah. Yeah. I think when you're prepared and the more shows you do, there's just a natural tendency to be nervous. I don't yeah. care who you are. I remember I remember Phil at his first Olympia, um not his Olympia, the first pro show. And I was backstage and he was like, he was like hyperventilating, like just happy to be here. You know, I'm like, okay. Stop, stop feeling like you're happy to be here because you're going to win this thing. Just, just, you know, you got to go in there and you got to attack and yeah. you got to, you got to go with it with aggression, especially with the bodybuilding poses and the pose down and everything else. And, um, and it's, it's like, 
it was cool because do, seeing somebody in the beginning of the f- phase of their pro career or even in their amateur career, everybody gets nervous and it's totally okay. But I remember when I used to compete, I was super nervous. And then as I did my second show, my third show, I got less nervous. And the key was just being able to get used to being on stage. And that's right. going to help a lot. And then obviously also not doing any of that uh, hocus pocus crap last minute. That's going to really, you know, remember about the fairy? We talked about yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We want to make sure we <laughs> minimize the likelihood of her showing up, yep. the uh, F up fairy. And I think at the end of the day, what you really want to focus on is being prepared. So therefore, you just, you have a state of confidence. You're coming from a really good positive state of mind. Perfect. Um, this one's from Jonathan uh, Custodio. How much sleep are you asking your athletes to get in prep? So well, just- we really try to focus on seven to eight hours. Obviously, when you get closer and you're pretty stimmed up from all the fat burners and everything, you yeah. tend to get a little bit less and your level of anxiety goes up, especially with the bigger shows like the Olympia. Um, when you have to bet your paycheck on this, which you're doing at the pro level, it gets pretty anxiety ridden. And I think that that naturally happens. Now, again, not to say that that can't happen with the amateurs, you know, yep. to them, it's the same as the Olympia. So, but w- ideally you're trying to get around that seven to eight hours if possible. Now, if you don't, because you just can't sleep that, you know, that much at one time for whatever reason, then adding in naps is really important. Um, if you have the ability to do that and most people, you know, they don't have that ability unless it's like on the weekend. Right. And normally I would tell them to take an extra 30 to 45 minute nap after uh, post-workout after they're doing their post-workout shake. And then mm-hmm. right before their first meal, solid meal after right. the, after the workout. Perfect. Number three. Hey, where'd you get all these questions, this man? You got some good <laughs> questions this time. There's some good questions. I like this one. It's my favorite. Do you believe in lean gaining or gain taining in the off season? This is from Aman Goyal. Okay. <laughs> What's gain taining, bro? <laughs> I, I don't know. It's a new term for me, too. I'm not sure. <clears throat> I thought you would know. <laughs> okay. Yeah, man. That's some advanced technique um, gain taining. No, I'll be honest with you. I, it's the first time I've heard that. And um, I don't know if it's just a new term used for it's something else that. It's clever. Whatever it is. Yeah. Ga- gain taining. So well, well, let's try to break down the question here. So <laughs> I think he lean, just means lean gain. So like not get too sloppy in the off season, I think is what. How do you know that? Do I don't know. know. I'm just trying to read between the lines here. I'm just trying to help. <laughs> do you believe in lean gaining or gain taining in the off season? Okay. So, Amon Goyal. Amon, I think we need you to come in. Or if you guys, honestly, if you go on YouTube and please comment below and let us know if you understand what this question means. Because uh, I don't understand what gain taining is. I, I, okay. So I'm going to take a stab at gain taining. I think it's a little bit above maintenance. But then, is that beneficial? You're a little bit over your maintenance calories. How do you even know that? I don't know. I'm just, again. I could be totally wrong. I mean, if someone lean, else knows a that's what lean gaining is. Do you believe in lean gaining or gain taining? I'll be honest with you, man. I think we need to come back to this one because I lean gaining is basically just trying to stay as lean as possible. I'm assuming is right. he means by that. Yeah. In in trying to gain weight and. Gain taining. 
it's like a made up word that I have no idea what it means. It's an industry. But I think first. I'm going to need the help of the uh, of of the people out there listening um, <laughs> to help me because maybe they know it's some new lingo. But yeah, um, yeah. So let's. I, I got a cool question from some of the people that were asking me on uh, Instagram before they've asked, and I think this is kind of going around the, those same lines. People ask, can you, should you bulk first and get lean or do you can, you know, should you just try to get it as lean as possible and then put in lean gain, you know, lean gains. And maybe, yeah. maybe that's what he means by maintaining. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I really believe that it depends on your genetics. If you're genetically, inclined to be really thin or ripped, but it's really hard for you to gain weight, then what you're going to want to do is you're going to want to force yourself to be able to put your size on and focus on size because that's your number one Achilles heel is that you miss a meal, you lose weight. You end up doing an extra 20 minutes in the gym, you lose weight. You know, you look at a treadmill, you lose weight. If you're one of those guys, you really need to focus on putting on size. If your person like myself, who was always, I could put on size, but it was always hard for me to get leaner. Okay. I think you're in the same boat, David. Yep. You're, yep. you're a big boy. Um, at the end of the day, then you need to really focus on making sure you start focusing on just getting harder, getting leaner. Everything should be revolving around weight loss, cardio, lean protein, and making sure that you uh, really minimize the cheat meals mm-hmm. and and focus on that. So it's not a one size fits all methodology. It's what is your body naturally hard at doing? If it's hard at getting lean, if it's, if it's really difficult for your body to get lean, then make sure you try to work on that. Don't, you know, you don't want to be like, Hey, I'm going to go bulk first and then lean out. You're already bulky, bro. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, your off season was 22 years (laughs) counting. So what we should do is focus on that. Now, if you're 152 pounds, like a good friend of mine who's a doctor down in Southern California, he he was telling me, he's like, hey man, should I try to do this or this? I go, you're barely 152 pounds at five foot nine. And so you really need to focus on putting on size, get your strength up, put your size on, and then just, then you can worry about the rest. But it's really, really hard for him to put on size. So trying to maintain leanness is, why do right. that? I mean, that's not going to be a problem. All you got to do is you're going to get ripped just doing it, you know, a little bit of cardio. You change your training based on that style or does it not matter? No, I mean, not really because you okay. always try to work on getting stronger and then keeping your strength as you're trying yep. to diet down. That's okay. the key to, to holding on to the muscle size. Perfect. All right. Next one, ab work, weighted or unweighted? Your thoughts from Jason Teague. Jason Teague. Okay. So once again, it's not a one size fits all. Now, let me talk about how you pick which one. If you tend to have small obliques and they don't tend to grow, you can do a little bit more weighted to try to get your abs to pop. But if you are a person who tends to have your midsection grow, and when I say midsection grow, I mean talking about your obliques when you do one arm dumbbell rows or when you do bent over rows, or you have um, just your ancillary muscles in your midsection are just constantly firing because you like to squat really heavy, then I would really watch the weight, okay? Because then you have a tendency for your midsection 
you know, in terms of your musculature to grow. So if your obliques would like to fire, then you got to really make sure that you're just using body weight and you got to really minimize any kind of extra weight when you're doing, um, abs. Now, if you have a naturally really thin waist and you want those abs to pop, you can go a little bit more extreme. It just really depends on how much of your abdomen tends to grow on your ancillary, you know, when you're doing one arm dumbbell rows, bent over rows, and any of those movements, because if those ancillary muscles kicks in, kick in, and they tend to grow, you got to be really careful. Because if you add in direct weight, then they're going to grow even more. Yeah, and we're talking direct ab training, right? Not these side bends that you see in the gym that are so popular. No. You shouldn't be training obliques like that, right? I mean, no, I mean, really you, no like I said, you you can if you have a small, mm -hmm. naturally small waist, and you yeah. know you can you can do that stuff. But if you have a naturally you have a waist that tends to grow, anything yeah. you do, it, you know, it becomes muscular. You got to be really, really careful. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Because you don't want to, you don't. And again, why do you want to be careful? Because you don't want your midsection to get wider. And I've, you've heard me say it before, even during deadlifts and doing super heavy um, squats. If you tend to have a, a thicker midsection and you start to squat super heavy, you're going to start looking like a CrossFit guy or a CrossFit woman. And, yeah. they, you know, they have a very thick trunk because the stability that needs to be able to, you know, be reinforcing those lifts are going to constantly kick in. And that's those stabilizing muscles are right around your, all over your torso. Does a belt matter? <clears throat> no, I mean, that's just going to help you a little bit, but, but you're still going to, it's still going to fire. Okay. It's going to help a little bit, but it's not going to, you can't say, Hey, I'm going to wear a belt. And then I don't have to worry about that. Yeah. I can still squat a... 400 and I'm not going to, my waist ain't going to grow. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure you see it. There's people that wear a belt that think that it's going to keep their waist small. No, it I does. Just... It does. It does to a degree, but that's okay. not what's going to blow it out. That's yeah. not, you know, like not wearing a belt or, or wearing a belt, wearing a belt will, will help a little bit with your breathing technique and it'll mm -hmm. help you with, um, you know, uh, with that, but it's not going to. You know, if you still squat 400 pounds with or without a belt and you start going deep in the hole and you and your ancillary muscles in your midsection tend to fire, you're going to blow out. And then you're like, hey, why men's physique guys shouldn't be doing 400 pound squats or 500 pound deadlifts. And right. if they do and your erectors start to get thicker, well, guess what it does? You're, it's going to push your obliques out. So all those ancillary muscles and your uh, lower your lower back is going to get really thick and that's not really conducive of a good men's physique competing, you know, um, silhouette. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Um, next one, dropping out fats pre-contest four weeks out from Anthony, uh, Caligaros. Sorry if I butchered that. Dropping out fats contest four weeks out. Oh, okay. So basically dropping out fats. So yeah, I've heard of this before where people completely drop all their fats. No, I think that's a bad idea. Um, number one, you need fats because your body really help. It really maximizes your body's ability to produce its natural hormones. But you also, when your carbs tend to come down, your body needs a little bit of fat for that fuel because it's not going to be optimized in regard in, in, in regards to fuel with your own body fat. So what you need to do is you need to be able to just like your carb cycle, I carb, you know, I, I fat cycle. And so sometimes it'll be a little bit higher and then you'll bring it down. And again, where, what are we using? We're using a little bit of red meat. So you're doing steak, you're doing, um, avocado, we're doing salmon. And if you're doing a ton of that, Obviously, you're going to be at a high calorie surplus and you won't get lean. But if you pull it all out too, 
it can really make your body go away. So you want to try to minimize how much fat you're taking out. And then what you do is you adjust depending on what the mirror is telling you. And so as you start to really start to lean out, you can start backing off. But if you go from, hey, I'm doing two or three, uh, you know, let's say some like a red meat meal, um, some avocado or salmon, and then all the way to zero at four weeks out, uh, it's going to not be conducive of a good result. So I would do things in smaller stages incrementally uh, and taper. And instead of doing the, it's four weeks out, I got to cut out all my fats. Got it. Okay, perfect. Number six. <clears throat> Are there particular supplements you would recommend to a woman who needs to add some muscle? Babs Jones, my favorite. Bab That's great name. Babs. 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 What's up? <laughs> Babs, we are answering your question. Yeah, for the ladies. Because you know what? We do have to, um, we do have some lady listeners out here that are asking mm -hmm. questions. So we're going to turn it around and make sure that answer more of your questions. So if you do have a question, make sure you leave a question below on YouTube. But Babs's question is a really good one and it's very commonly asked. For size, honestly, there is no second fiddle to creatine. Creatine is amazing. Um, again, some people, um, they don't feel that, oh, it's just water weight or I'm scared yeah. of it. It's really, really good, especially for women because women who don't want to worry about like, going through doing DHEA precursors or hormones or any of those things, but they just want to turn around and say, Hey, like I want something that's going to make me stronger and it's going to help me. You know, it does help, um, with uh, torque muscle torque as well. So you get power, you get torque, you get some stamina out of that, but mostly just in overall strength. And when you can push harder, you're going to put on more size. So I think that besides the the basic pre-workout, whether you want a stim-based or non-stim-based and whether or not you want to be able to um, increase your calories through different methods, well, you know, again, a big thing that I would always do is add glycogen to uh, people's programs mm -hmm. that I work with, especially in the off season and uh, mix that with protein and making sure that we, that would really help their pre, intra and post and that's what I would use along with cell chem, which is has creatine in it. Yep. And so at the end of the day with the women, women love cell chem and just love creatine in general, because when they would use it, they would be like, wow, I really feel a difference. I can do 50 pound dumbbells or 60 pound dumbbells, or I can do when I'm dumbbell rows, 10 or 20 pounds heavier when I start cycling in creatine. So again, I think that's one of the most underrated uh, products out there. And some people think that it's obvious, but a lot of people have gotten away from it for whatever reason. And I think it's really something that you need to make sure that, Hey, your, your creatine levels, you know, five to 10 grams a day is optimal. And, um, and I think that it's something that it, it's kind of gone off the radar again. Why is it? Why do you think that it's, it's like, it's villainized all of a sudden. And I don't know why. I, I just think people chase, I think people chase things that are a little bit more dramatic, like, like, Oh, SARMs or, you know, you know, IGF one LR three dot 2.6.5, you know, squared root of 19, you know, like, it's like, you know, it's like, because right. it sounds like really techie and crazy. And honestly, I think creatine is better than that. Yeah, <laughs> and, for sure. Um, you know, and it doesn't matter. Like it, you can try different types of creatine. And so we should do a show on that. We can talk yeah. a little bit about that and different kinds of creatine and wh what I think of them. We can definitely discuss it, but that's probably, um, you know, better left for another episode. But I do think that there's a lot of people who just sensationalize the use yeah. of 
you know, peptides or SARMs. And, and you guys know how I feel about this. I've said it many times before. I think that it's, they're not safe. And I think you guys, whoever's pushing this stuff on you, it, there's a reason. Um, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I would stay away from that type of stuff. Yep. Absolutely. Um, that's it. Those are the six. And that's, that's awesome, man. Those are Quick. some really good questions. Awesome guys, questions this week. Yeah. 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 Let us know what you guys think. Let us know if you guys think that we had a good week or not, because yeah. we want to hear the good and the bad. And again, just uh, make sure you, you, the other thing you guys can do is really go out of your way and share this. If you think that you're getting some benefit from it, make sure you share the episodes uh, with Facebook, Instagram, wherever you think that you have uh, friends that could benefit from listening to the truth podcast. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, excellent knowledge dropped every week. So thank you. Awesome. Well, my name is Hani Rambon. I'm here with Dave and that's the truth. <laughs>